That's the reaction I always provoke. <laughs> it's a great year so far, isn't it? Uh, Ethan, Ethan actually and uh, his wife have made known that they're expectant parents. <laughs> Going to be uh, having a baby this year and not the only one. Timmy and Sarah Beth are having one as well. You probably already knew about that. I'm very happy to report that my wife and I are not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a great year anyway. Happy New Year. I, I love it when the new year changes. It gives us opportunities opportunities to think about new things. There is in Boston what used to be the Charles Street Jail. It was home to some of the city's most notorious characters as well as some famous former inmates among whom were four-time Boston mayor and former governor of Massachusetts James Michael Curley, the fiery civil rights activist Malcolm X, and Frank Abagnale Jr., the con artist portrayed by Leo DiCaprio in Steven Spielberg's movie, Catch Me If You Can, it was once the embodiment of cutting-edge prison architecture. But by the 1960s, the Charles Street Jail had fallen into disrepair. It had become overcrowded, riotous, filthy, and so in 1973, the United States District Court ruled that because of overcrowding, the jail violated the constitutional rights of prisoners who were housed there. But the jail wasn't officially closed until 1990, when the last of the inmates were transferred to the new Suffolk County Jail on Nashua Street. Fast forward 17 years and $150 million dollars, and the Charles Street Jail reopened in the summer of 2007 as a 300-room luxury hotel. It's now known as the Liberty Hotel. Luxury accommodations there cost anywhere from a few hundred dollars to thousands of dollars per night. The renovation celebrates the building's past with restaurants named Clink, and Scampo, which is Italian for escape, and a bar named Alibi. A former inmate named Bill Baird visited the hotel on the 40th anniversary of his arrest, and he was amazed at the renovation that had been undertaken. He said how you could take something that was so horrible and turn it into something of tremendous beauty, I don't know. Well, those of us who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ know personally of a much more amazing transformation than that. The Bible says in our text for this New Year's Day message, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, just one verse to look at this morning, but an important verse. 
Let me read it for you one more time. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Now that scripture, of course, talks about the new life that we have in Christ. And that's something worth talking about on the first day of a brand new year. We turn our calendars from December 31st to January 1st, and when we do that, we recognize an opportunity for things to get better than they may have been in the past. It's a time of hope because we get to start over in a way. That's why New Year's resolutions are so popular. It's like a, a marking point. Uh, every year on January 1st, my wife and I weigh ourselves. I would not recommend that. <laughs> she said this morning when we got here, we forgot to weigh ourselves this morning. I said, no big deal. <laughs> now she plans on doing it tomorrow, but I'm hoping she forgets. But we make these resolutions trying to do better, trying to lose weight or get in shape or change our habits or be better people. We start over. And if the year that has just gone by wasn't so great, there's always the possibility that the new year is going to be better. Be more engaging. Be more productive. Be more prosperous. When life seems to be throwing us one curveball after another, turning the page on a new year is like a fresh start. But 2 Corinthians 5.17 speaks of something even better than that. It says that anyone who is in Christ, meaning a follower of Christ, an apprentice of Christ, one who has invited Christ to be Lord and Savior and devoted themselves to following Him as Lord, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. What does that mean? Well, frankly, it means more than we have time to talk about in a sermon for example, uh, Professor Ralph Martin in the Word Biblical Commentary talks about the, the broader and more cosmic dimensions of the new creation that Christ brings into our world. And all of that's important, but I want us to focus on what it means in a personal sense. What does it mean for us personally to be new creations in Christ? Well, it means that everything changes. Everything about who we are, about how we live, about how we think and act, everything changes. Now, there is an immediate change and there is a progressive change. The immediate change is something that happens as soon as we surrender ourselves to the Lord Jesus. A good example of the immediate change that occurs to us is what happened in the heart of Louis Zamperini, the subject of Laura Hillenbrand's best-selling book, Unbroken. If you've read the book or if you've seen the movie, then you know that Louis Zamperini's story is an amazing one. He was a world-class Olympic runner. He might well have been the first person to break the four-minute mile had it not been for World War II coming along. On May the 27th of 1943, the bomber that Zamperini was in went down in the Pacific Ocean. 
and his family was notified that he had perished. But in fact, he and another soldier had survived in a tiny life raft for 47 days out on open water. It was a record at the time for survival at sea. And after battling sharks and starvation, dementia, his real battle began after he was incarcerated in a Japanese prisoner of war camp. If you know the story, you know that for two years he was physically tortured, he was verbally humiliated by a particularly sadistic guard that they nicknamed the bird. He swore that he would get revenge on the bird if he ever got the opportunity to do so. He and his fellow prisoners of war were finally liberated at the end of the war and Zamperini returned home to his naturally surprised family. They thought he was dead. But unfortunately, his life quickly descended into a self-made prison of alcoholism and bitterness. Louis endured constant nightmares about his past. He had this obsessive desire to murder the bird. But the walls of addiction and hatred finally crumbled in 1949 when Zamperini attended the now-famous Billy Graham crusade in Los Angeles. And it was there that Louis heard the gospel and trusted Christ to be his Lord. And an immediate change took place. Laura Hillenbrand in her book writes, When Louis thought of his history, what resonated with him was not all that he had suffered, but the divine love that he believed had intervened to save him. He was not the worthless, broken, forsaken man that the bird had tried to make of him. In a single, silent moment, his rage, his fear, his humiliation and helplessness had fallen away. That morning, he believed he was a new creation. Indeed, he was, just as our scripture for this morning says. And in his heart, Louis forgave the bird. In fact, he would have told him so in person. He even traveled to Japan, hoping to do so. But the bird would never agree to meet with him because he was forever trapped in the prison of his own tortured soul. But Louis, on the other hand, became a fantastic example of new life that Christ can immediately bring into the heart of anyone who will trust Him and surrender to Him. But even though Christ makes everything immediately new, there is also a progressive change that is supposed to take place as we grow in Christ's likeness, as we serve as His apprentices in life. We are supposed to be moving closer and closer toward what God created us to be in the first place. In fact, even the Apostle Paul acknowledged his own pursuit of that goal. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes, Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward toward what is ahead, 
I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It's a process. And if the, the saint, the apostle, Paul himself, probably the single person most responsible for the spread of the gospel around the empire of his time, if he felt that he had work to do, then certainly you and I do as well to make progress toward the goal of Christ-likeness. Bono, the lead singer of the Irish rock band U2, understands how that dynamic works. He is a committed Christian. In fact, he is on the cover of the December issue of Christianity Today. In fact, the final quote of his in that article is this. He said, I will tell you, deep down, there is an anchor. I'm fixed to a rock, and that rock is Jesus. But back in 2006, in the book, U2 by U2, he talked about the progressive nature of the Christian life, of growing in Christ. He said, your nature is a hard thing to change. It takes time. I've heard of people who have life-changing, miraculous turnarounds, people set free from addiction after a single prayer, relationships saved where both parties let go and let God. But it wasn't like that for me. For all of the, I was lost, now I'm found, it's probably more accurate to say, I was really lost. I'm a little less so at the moment and then a little less, and a little less again. To me, that is the spiritual life, the slow reworking and rebooting the computer at regular intervals, reading the small print in the service manual. It has slowly rebuilt me in a better image. It has taken years, though, and it's not over yet. But no one said it would be easy, did they? If they promised you that, they weren't being entirely upfront about it. We talk about the grace of God, and indeed it is grace, pure grace that saves us. But we are expected to invest ourselves in that salvation, in growing in Christ-likeness. I like what Dallas Willard says. He says, the gospel is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. You can't earn it. It comes only by grace. But there is effort involved in growing in that grace, in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, as Peter says in the New Testament. Nowadays, people try to justify sinful behavior and their unwillingness to put forth any effort to change it by simply saying, well, you know, I was born that way. So what? All of us have been born with a predilection to sin, according to the Scriptures. We're all born that way, if you will. But that doesn't mean that God intends for us to indulge that. Not at all. In fact, it's precisely because of that sin nature we are born with that we need to be recreated in the first place. But that sin nature doesn't usually go without a fight. 
When Christ takes over your life, you are immediately reoriented to everything in a, in a new and fresh kind of way, but it can take a while to learn how to live that reoriented life. That's where the effort and the work and the discipline comes in. Josie Caven is a young English woman who was born profoundly deaf. She began wearing hearing aids at the age of two, which enabled her to hear some sounds for a while, but still very little. Growing up, she often felt isolated because of her inability to hear, which is certainly understandable. But during the Christmas season of 2005, when Josie was 12 years old, all of that changed. That was when she received a cochlear implant, and she was finally able to hear clearly for the first time. She shouted in surprise when one of the first sounds she heard was the song Jingle Bells coming from a radio. Overnight, Josie's hearing was completely restored. She said, it has changed everything for me. But was she hearing well immediately? Not exactly. Her mother said at the time, she's having to learn what each new sound is and what it means. She'll ask, was that a door closing? And she's realized for the first time that the light in her room hums when it's switched on. She even knows what her name sounds like now because before she could not hear the soft S sound in the middle of the word, Josie. Seeing her face light up as she hears everything around her is all I could have wished for for Christmas. Now Josie's hearing was restored and it introduced her to a new kind of life that she had not been fully prepared for. Things had changed for her. She now had a new daily adventure of learning to distinguish each sound from the other in the hearing world. And that's the way it is for us as new creations in Christ. It's as if we were immediately given the gift of opening up to a whole spiritual world that we might never have even recognized existed. But we have to learn how to live in that world. The old has gone, the scripture says. The new has come. And every day is a new adventure as we continue to learn to live in Christ. On the first day of this new year, I want to remind you that in Christ everything is new. The old is gone, the new has come. Don't live in the old sinful pattern of your past. Live according to the new creation that you are in Christ. Become who you are, as it were. Christ has recreated you. Are you living like a new creation? Dr. Bruce McKeever was a longtime pastor of a large church in Dallas. In fact, one of our members was a former member there once upon a time. He had open heart surgery that took 12 hours to complete and 
his cardiologist, Dr. Dudley Johnson, was conversing with him. And Dr. Johnson tend to be short and to the point. And he asked Dr. Johnson if, if uh, all of the blocked arteries that were now bypassed and everything, if that had given him the blood supply that he needed. He said, how much blood supply do I have now? And, and the doctor said, all you'll ever need. Well, as he was being discharged from the hospital, his wife, Luana, asked the doctor, what about my husband's future quality of life? And the doctor paused for a moment, and then he said, I fixed his heart. The quality of his life is up to him. If you put your trust in Jesus Christ, he has fixed your heart. But the quality of the life you live subsequent to that in him is, in most respects, up to you. So what's your life going to be like in 2023? It's a new year, a new opportunity, an opportunity to live not just in Christ, but for Christ. What resolution do you need to make with regard to that today? Would you pray with me? Gracious Father God, we are so grateful for these opportunities in life to mark our progress and to reflect on days gone by but also to hope in things to come god we ask you to speak into our lives today to call us upward and onward toward the goal for which you have saved us for which you have given us new life in jesus christ God, I pray that we might dedicate ourselves today and in the whole year to come to living for you, to sharing you with others who need to learn of you, that 2023 might be for us, for our church, for our community and our world, the best year yet. And I pray it, God, in Jesus' name, amen.